Welcome to the Expansive CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Chapman, founder of Expansive CEO and X Squared Wealth Planning. Buckle in as we explore how to create true prosperity and build a business and a life that expands beyond yourself and makes a dent in the universe. Welcome to this episode of the Expansive CEO Podcast, where I am talking today with my dear friend, Rachel Murphy, who is the founder of Mind Settings and a life coach that works with individuals and couples uh, who are dealing with the challenges of life, um, especially entrepreneurial couples. So if you follow the podcast, you know that that's a huge focus uh, for me is working with entrepreneurs. And so, you know, Rachel has such an entrepreneurial background. So we also connect in that way as well, like growing up in a household of entrepreneurs. So, so much overlap. And today we're actually going to talk about a subject that I don't know, we don't, we don't talk about it a lot or we tend to bury it down when we do feel it. And that's resentment. We're going to talk about how resentment shows up in relationship um, with money all of the above, uh, and what it's really pointing to, what it means, and how do we how do we use that to actually make our relationships better, um, especially as entrepreneurs. Resentment comes up a lot, I think. So, Rachel, thank you for being here. Oh, I forgot to I forgot to mention this, and I want to say it before I kick it over to you. We officially met about two, two and a half years ago, January, February twenty one, um, at Maternal Instincts which is a group that Rachel runs with another dear friend, Claire Christison. And um, it's a group of moms who own businesses. So it was this beautiful, I was like, oh, that's, I need this. <laughs> I need a group of moms who own businesses and we can just talk about what's going on. Uh, and it's been such a beautiful group, um, such a supportive group and like diverse. And we talk about all kinds of stuff and it's been it's been really wonderful for me personally to be able to connect with people there um, over the last couple of years. And so, first of all, thank you for creating that. And second of all, of tell us more. Yeah. What what do you want to tell us, Rachel? Sure. Well, um, yes, Maternal Instincts is one of um, my loves that Claire and I started, I don't know, five years ago, maybe more, um, because we couldn't find a group that we could find a ton of networking groups, obviously, where we felt a little weird about talking about our kids and motherhood and we could find like mom groups, but we wanted to find a group where we could just like unabashedly talk about both in the same sentence if we needed to. Um, and we couldn't find that. So then we just started our own and we do talk a lot about, I feel like that is the safe place that resentment comes up a lot is because I don't think resentment is an easy topic to talk about. And then I'll, get to it in a minute, but, um, yeah, I'm a life coach. Um, and I grew up with entrepreneurs. My parents were entrepreneurs and I was actually just meeting up with a cousin. Like my grandparents were entrepreneurs on both sides. I have siblings that are entrepreneurs. My husband's an entrepreneur. We're just, I don't really know any other way, um, <laughs> except entrepreneurship. So it feels weird to me to work for some buddy, but I also, um, have a lot of clients where one, person is an entrepreneur and the other person in the relationship isn't that creates some specific um pain points um and then also just you know a, two people who are entrepreneurs in a relationship 
creates a whole other set of pain points. Um, and that is what I work on. And I work with individuals. So if like both people aren't on board for coaching, it's totally fine. Cause I do believe a shift in the relationship starts with a shift in the individual. Um, so I do work individually primarily. So even if I'm working with a couple, I'll work with the individuals and then we have a, we have some joint sessions together, but I do think it really starts with your own stuff that you have to deal with, unfortunately, and fortunately. Right. Well, that's all um, we can control, right? Truly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like, that's what we right. can do. Yes. Yes. That's why I think like, unfortunately, sometimes you have to deal with the stuff that doesn't, that you don't really want to own up about yourself. But once you process through that, then you, there is great relief in recognizing like, oh, I, this is the part that I can fix. And sometimes that shifts enough of your perspective and behaviors that it does shift a relationship on its own and money. And like, I do, I look at relationships very broadly. I think we have relationships with, um, you know, other people, but also with money and with, um, trust and with love and like all that stuff. There's just, there's just like a lot tied to it all. And it's all operating at the same time, which is why I think it's amazing that people actually get together at all because we just have all of this like stuff, right. That we've like, we're grow grew up with and taught and questioned and learned whatever. And like, we really bring it all with us, but we don't really ever talk about it. And then we are like with this person and we're wondering why they're not playing by our rules or like the stories that we've come up with. Um, and I don't think we have adequate ways of always communicating with it. So that's where a coach comes in or a therapist or somebody like that. But um, yeah, so that's what I do. You want me to talk yeah. about resentment? Do you want yeah, to dive right in or do you want to like, dip the toe in or we can just go for it. Yeah. I, I always, we just go for it. Um, okay. and I think, um, talking even like opening up that piece about maternal instincts, there's, um, it, it's so true because resentment shows up in so many places in our lives. Right. So when we talk about, you know, our children, you know, sometimes resentment shows up there. Um, and it's not usually, or maybe never, like it's never the kid, right? It's actually, right. what what are you experiencing? Or if, you know, if it's that your partner isn't doing a thing that you think they should be doing, you know, how do we, how do we then address that? You know, it, it, it'll have an outside impetus kind mm -hmm. of, or the thing that like gets the ball rolling of resentment, mm -hmm. the resentment ball. Um, but then how do you help people look at that? And what do you, what do you consider um, the thing that we're looking at when we're talking about resentment? Yeah. So, I mean, it can take on, and I do feel like resentment kind of has some fringe, right? Like I think there are some things that might be considered resentment that aren't. Um, I think it usually tends to reside in, or people think of it as in the anger family, Um I, and Brene Brown changes for me, I don't think of it in the jealousy family. And I think that's why it's so hard to talk about is because jealousy is hard to talk about, but like in the envy family more so. Um, but I don't think we talk, you know, it's hard for us to actually admit that we're envious of somebody else. Um, resentment falls in that category for me. So if I'm resentful of my partner because he's, not showing up for me in a certain way, or I don't think he's showing up for me a certain way, or he's doing, he's getting to do something that I'm not getting to do because I'm taking care of the kids or I have to work or whatever it is that to me is 
in the envy family of like, I wish I could. So a lot of times when I'm working with my clients, I'm asking like, where is it that you are saying it must be nice if, um, and I think that is a, probably a Brene Brown quote too, but like, wouldn't it be nice? Like, or, or I see this in business a lot when people are talking about their competitors, like, oh, well, it must be nice to be able to run a business without also having to take care of kids. You know, if they're talking, you know, like whatever we're trying to kind of paint the picture of like, well, they can have this success because mm. they had somebody that was funding the, the start. Wouldn't that be nice? Right. So like it's in that, that envy. And I think the more though we make it about the other person is doing something wrong to us, it turns in. And at the same time, we think somebody else is doing something that a it's against us, right? Like, or, or maybe, maybe not despite us, but, um, and that too, we are, we are also then repressing it in ourselves. So, um, I can think back to like when I had, when I first had newborns and my husband do something that felt very like, I mean, even if he just like went for a run or whatever, and it felt like very, (laughs) like the audacity, Right. Of just like, oh, you get to do that. And I have to stay back here. And my body's like, I couldn't even run if I wanted to. And right. So, so in that case, it's like all the blame is on him for having the audacity to go for a run when I'm here in pain or not feeling myself and not being able to have that alone time that I want. And then also not finding ways of giving that to myself. It's a much different story if like he gets to go out and I get to go out and we both get that time together and then we come back. But when we are mad at somebody else for it, and then also not finding ways for ourselves to have the same thing, that is resentment in a nutshell, Mm. in my opinion. Okay. So the thing that I think is really um, key here, like the, the little difference in understanding is yet you're resentful because there's, there's envy there. Right. That's, that's the thing. It's like exactly that question. What do you want that you're not, that you're not currently getting? Mm -hmm. What is it? And the lie. Yeah. Sorry. The, and the lie is that you don't get to do it also. That's what we tell ourselves. It's like, well, he gets to, or she gets to do that. And therefore I don't get to do that. And that, that's like a, I think it's a lie that we tell ourselves because you know, a, I don't think we're often given the permission of like, okay, well you, you, you do it too. And that, and then this is where uh, I think someone like me can come in handy because then it kind of unravels like a whole thing. So, and I'm using the newborn example because I do feel like this happens a lot in couples where somebody is the caretaker and or the primary caretaker. And then this just kind of like, well, I'm the one that's responsible and I have to do this and nobody else does it. Then you know, or if I don't do it, nobody else is going to do it. Um, and I think that that's the storyline that kind of comes out that then a coach or like that I will start to challenge for people. Like, why can't you do it? And like, and if it's because they don't, maybe they don't trust their partner to watch the kids, or maybe they just, they don't know how to give themselves permission to, to take that for themselves. All of those things are things to work on. But that's like hard stuff. That's like some deep rooted of like, why haven't you ever given yourself permission to like, why don't you deserve the time to, or why don't, you know, what does it mean about you if you give, hire somebody to watch the kids for a little while or 
you know, tell your partner that you're headed out and they got to watch the kids or what does that mean? Those are some of the harder topics and it's easier to just say like, well, he put me in this position or she put me in this position and now I have to just like live with it in that, that mm-hmm. state. So, um, yeah, I don't know where your initial, was there a question in there that I just totally missed that could no. be possible? <laughs> no, I think possible. we, yeah, it, it, well, it's this, it's this sense of, um, again, someone else has something that I, I can't mm-hmm. Rather than looking at it as how do I give that to myself, um, and that was I know for me that was a huge shift. And you know I worked um, since I've started my business. I worked with a um, I had a therapist before I started my business, and then I started working with a coach um, when I started my business as well. And that was like one of the biggest shifts for me was that sense of what are you needing? What is, what is it that you feel is missing and how can you then give that to yourself? And so I think that goes back to your original point of like, even in a couple, Mm -hmm. you have to work on your own shit. Like that's, you have to work on yours. You can't work on theirs for them. You have to work on yours. Um, And so in this day too, like a lot of times they're not doing anything wrong. They're like living their lives. And it's the fact that like, I'm envious that they're, you know, doing this thing. And and you can see it in a broader, you can see it right now, even on like a political spectrum of like, why does this class or this group of people get this? And we don't. And I mean, there's some systemic things in there in general, but like growing up, what you're taught about why you can't afford to do something or why you don't get to. And a lot of times, you can be resentful of the person that you see that is getting the experience that you want, especially as a kid when you don't know, right? Like you don't know that it could be attainable for your family because you don't have that kind of control when you're a kid. But those stories then stick with us even into adulthood of like why you kind of have to stay in the social means that you were taught about or. Right. Yeah. And that, I feel like that, pulls it straight into the money stories that we talk Mm -hmm. about a lot in um, you even mentioned it with like funding, right? Like starting a business and the reality is um, again, beyond any systemic issues that we know exist because women get Mm -hmm. less than 2% of all VC funding. um, Yes, that is a real statistic. And at the same time, the majority of businesses around the world start without funding. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's just the truth. So VC funding is, is a thing, but that is not how most businesses start. Most businesses start, um, not, I'm not going to use the term bootstrapping, um, cause I don't like that, but it's, it starts from your runway, yeah. whatever, whatever that is, whether that's you have, you have a partner or a spouse who works and can provide for the household or you saved up enough money from your job so that you could, you know, give yourself your own runway um, or you have a part-time job and, you know, that's your runway, right? Most businesses start that way. And yet if we're looking out at other people and saying, well, this is how they did it. Well, this is, you know, I can't Mm -hmm. do this unless... I get, you know, want to invest in my business or I get, you know, this thing or that thing that just that one piece, you can start to be resentful 
of mm-hmm. stimulation. And then that, yep. what do you see happens with that? I know like from my perspective, I see people shutting down, you know, it yeah. gets to the, the point where they're like, well, I just, why, why try? Right. Yeah. I think the shutting down and the, and also then not, um, not recognizing that there is an undercurrent of like safety around the resentment too, of like, if I can resent, be resentful and kind of put the blame on like, well, I'm not going to get funding for X, Y, Z reason. And that's going to make it harder. Well, then I have a great excuse for not actually putting the belief in myself and like stepping up and saying, okay, but I can make this work regardless. Right. And, and being able to actually, you know, find the other path or to not, you know, to, it's just, it's so much easier. Ugh, yeah. It's easier to be angry than to just think of the new way to make it happen and to struggle through and to ultimately put all the eggs in your basket, like to believe in yourself. Um, it's just a scary thing to do. And it's way easier to blame it on whatever. Right the person status, you know, whatever Because, and like you just said with the statistics, a lot of our story, they're not true at all, but it's just, not only is it more comfortable to tell the story, it's just easier. So that's usually what I see. And that's usually why, um, you know, I know you experience this a lot, but like coaching isn't always fun. Therapy is not a joy. Right. Because it is then asking like, well, why don't you believe in yourself enough to, step forward and make it happen. Mm-hmm. And like that brings up whatever, all the reasons that we wouldn't believe or we don't trust ourselves or we had, don't have the proof of it in the past or whatever, all that stuff is. So, and that stuff is hard to tackle. Yeah. I've, I, oh gosh, I need to like write this. Down. I've written it down several times and I, and I always uh lose it and have to go back and find who said it. But um, there's a quote from someone that I will find in sight, uh, that, you know, you're only, you're only going to progress as far as you are willing to sit and look at yourself without running away. Yeah. And that's, that's a terrible paraphrasing of the quote, I think, but it's, I've found that to be so true over and over again, that when I am in my own stuff, right. When I, when Mm -hmm. I am wanting to shift blame or withdraw in some way, shape or form. Uh, you know, it's that I'm not looking at something that is trying yeah. to be, to be seen. Yeah. And that's a, the, um, I do always encourage people to just go with it. So in the coaching school, like we call it the river of misery where you're like, you, what you want is on the other side of this river. Right. And so like when you jump in, you're like, and you're trucking, whether, I don't know. I always like picture myself like waiting on slippery rocks and stuff. And you're like, this kind of sucks. Like I keep falling and the current keeps taking me downstream. And like, this is miserable. I'm my clothes are wet and I hate it. And a lot of people would just go back to where they came from. Right. Cause it seems like, Oh, well, at least I know I'm safe over there. But if you can stick with it and get to the other side, like that is where it lives, but you do have to be, in kind of that place where you're, you think like, oh, I got it now. And then something else gets pointed out to you and you're like, geez, I thought I believed in myself, but like now I recognize I've been putting, you know, I've been blaming somebody for this or I haven't been owning up to it or whatever it is. And that, that kind of awakening is like, it 
really startling. It's like a slip on the rocks where you just like, don't expect it. And you're just like, wait, I thought I had some shore footing and now I don't. And now I'm in this river again. Um, but what I, what is beautiful is like, when you get to the other side, you recognize like when you can't blame anybody else and you take full responsibility, then you just get to choose everything for the rest of your life. Like everything is in your power and you, you get, you get to decide how you want to move through it. Um, I'll give you the perfect example because I think sometimes I, I think coaches in general can get into like, you know, metaphors, which I love. Right. <laughs> yeah. I agree um, with my level. Let's bring it down. Yeah, this, this is the, uh, I'll, I'll give you like a personal, like money resentment story. Um, and my husband, Jack and I are very open because we, we, we decided when we first started therapy many years ago, we've been married for almost 18 years. So, you know, year one, when we started therapy, <laughs> Once we recognized the benefit, we were like, we just decided we were going to tell people, we would talk about it openly because it's such a beneficial tool that just was not, it's not utilized, I think, to the extent that it should be. And I think it's becoming more and more. But back then, it was still like blasphemy that you would admit that you were in couples therapy. That's all to say, he approves this message that I'm about to, this story. But when I, um, when we had our first, uh, our son Malachi, he was still working for a camp. I had just been, I had just been let go or left the camp. And it was such a, um, I was, we were working residential camp. It was a very in-depth, all-encompassing job. So I was taking a break. I was doing flower, um, arranging like as a, like an hourly position. We had our son and I was like, I can't, there's no way I can, I can pay for daycare with this hourly rate that I have but we still have the Jack's full-time job. Well, he decides he's leaving and starting his own business. Um, so this all happened. He like, he was miserable. The, he was he just like, was not digging the camp life anymore. This all happened, but we never really had the discussion about like, Hey, we both want to be successful in careers and we both want to be successful in parenting. And this is not how this is going to look forever, but like, you're going to start your business and I'm going to support the household and I'm going to, you know, I'll make side money where I can. And like, this is how we're going to operate under the understanding that we're both in this agreement together to do our part, to make this family run in whatever ways possible. Like we just didn't have that explicit conversation. So then what happened was that, you know, I'm home all day with the kid, not having any adult interaction he's out trying to start this business, which is an, an immense amount of pressure because, you know, like we're living paycheck to paycheck. And so we're both under our, we're both like in our own worlds and having the pressure of like, we have a child now, we don't have regular income coming in. Like we don't have regular health care. Um, like it was before Obamacare, whatever came in. And just then like, what were we making that mean about each other? Like, that is like when the resentment really hit in. Cause I was like, you are getting to go out and try to make a successful business, which I had always imagined that I would, I didn't know what the business was, but that I'd always continue to work and bring in money for the family. And I loved being home with my kid, but also like you're, he's getting to go. And he's looking at me like, you don't have to feel the pressure that I'm feeling about finding my first clients and like making it happen or whatever. And luckily we were in therapy. So we were able to like kind of unpack that, but even still with that, it was, it really created then money stories around 
what I believed he thought about how I spent money and then what I thought, you know, like it just, we just created, uh, we created all sorts of um, made up stuff. And because when we did talk, we were at the height of emotion, right? So like we were not at our best when we were talking. And so we were like slinging out low blows to each other. Um, and then, you know, so now, however many years later, luckily we've had like several money coaches, including you, that it just like help us to like come back down to like, okay, where are we at today? And like, what is a story? What is like from the past when we were like just trying to survive and we had to come up with ways of doing that? And what is actually happening right now and today? And also, what do you want to be happening tomorrow? Like, how do you want to think about this? How do I want to, what kind of trust do I want to put into my husband and myself and our businesses and what we do? Um, and it is like a rewriting of the story, but unless you do that, you're just stuck in these patterns, which really take you out. And I, along the way, this last like little bit is when I started coaching, I was listening to somebody else get coached actually about, um, she just wanted her husband to believe in her. She's just like, my husband just doesn't believe in my business or me or what I'm doing. And the coach said like, well, why do you need him to believe in you? And I was like, it went straight to my core of like, oh my God, this is what I've been doing. I have been not moving forward or not taking responsibility because I've been under the excuse of like, I just need him to believe in me or I just need him to give me the green light or I just need him to do X, Y, and Z, which really in turn meant I needed I needed to believe myself enough to do that for myself. Like I just needed to make it happen. I needed to figure out the solution. It may, it was very well, very much like I was the one that was going to logistically figure out like, how are these kids going to get taken care of and how we're going to pay for it and how we're going to do whatever. And I just decided like I could either get really resentful about the fact that I had to do all that work in order to make my business move forward, or I could just do it. And get there faster. And so like, that's, that's what I did was like, and that is what I talk about when like owning my stuff is like, I can blame him. But all that gets me is feeling horrible. Or I can take some ownership and make it happen. And, and also, in the meantime, we write, we write, we're like rewriting our story all the time. Mm-hmm. And I so I want to, I want to share um, that I, I feel like the fact that you are so open about like, yeah, therapy and working together as a couple. Like, I think that is so inspirational, truly. Like, as, as, like you said, most couples do not work on anything until it's like, it's either this or we're done, right? Like that tends to be the thing. And for you guys to be so open about, no, like, as soon as we felt like we needed to talk to people, we started, you know, talking to people about a relationship because it's not something that we're taught how to do. Um, I think anyway, or, you know, if we don't have a a solid example in our own parents, right. Like there's, there's, there's just so much and the stories can, they don't just come from the beginning of like our, like I've been with my husband for almost 22 years. Um, we've been married for 17 and the same, right? So we have all of our stories from our marriage mm-hmm. and there's all the stories from our parents, right? And his yeah. parents are different from my parents and my right. stories are different from his money stories from when we were children. Right. And um, 
and then coming together, right? Like how those have, how those have, you know, happened as well and grown. And the one thing that you said that I wanted to pull apart a little bit was the, you know, seeing things as they are now, right. Rather than, you know, what was it? Yeah. I remember back when it was scary and it was hard. Right. And now, and now I'm going to take that paintbrush and I'm going to like try and paint on the current scenario, but wait, wait, let's look at what it actually is right now. Yeah. So you can start to like create, Oh, Oh, let's start a new story. Yeah. And I do think it's the benefit of us working together. I mean, we each have found supports individually, of course, but then to make sure that we do have um, joint work that we're doing on a regular basis, because then when stuff comes up and we have that just like residual because, and I do think there will be residual for a while, if not forever, of just like, oh my gosh, what do, you know, we only have this much in our account right now or whatever it is that makes us kind of like tense up and like not want to a talk to each other is like usually a sign for us. It's like, we don't want to talk about money. That's like a surefire sign that one of us is feeling scarce about something. Um, or if we're both like hesitant to like do the thing that would, would be an obvious solution. Like you have a training come up, obviously you should be going on this or like you should, you know, this is, this is beneficial that we would normally, but if for some reason we're starting to feel like hesitant about something like that, the nice thing is, is that usually we're not both there at the same time, you, like knock on wood, but so that one of us is usually saying like, Hey, remember like money is always coming in like what we have now isn't like what we're going to have this is like not it forever like we always have money coming in and like I'm not freaked out and even sometimes me just hearing Jack say like I'm not freaked out by this I'm like okay because it was not that was just like not a a story from the past and having that reminder of like no, no no this is like an old story like we've remember like we don't have to go back to the beginning of the book like we're on chapter like 18 now is super beneficial because I don't think um, unless you have a coach or somebody that's like pointing that out to you individually, it's hard to see it sometimes until you've like made the decisions or you've done the things and then look back and I'm like, Oh, I think I was actually just like freaked out there. And that's why I did that thing that I didn't help out. So um, going through it together is really hard. And also super beneficial for this purpose of like being like, remember, remember what Hannah said, or remember what, remember when we, whatever. And, and also we like tell the stories of like, remember when we were looking for the lightest pumpkin? Cause I, we only had like $10 in our wallet. And like, I wanted to get a pumpkin for the baby who was not, who could care less, but like, we were just like picking up pumpkins. Like this one feels light enough. And now we go to the pumpkin patch and we're just like, if you can carry it, we'll buy it. Right. And so like now my kids are just like pick the biggest one that they can carry and get on. Um, but I think it's, so I think it's both important to have somebody there that reminds you of the stories for the joy of what, how far you've come, but also just remember like, we're not there anymore. Mm. We're here. This is where we are right now. And it's just numbers. And like, how are we going to do the math to figure out, you know, X, Y, and Z. It's not a problem. Doesn't mean anything about either of us. We're just, we have to do some math here and how do we want to make the math work? That reminded me of, um, one of our, 
like I, I remember those times too, like going to the pumpkin patch and you're like, wow, these are way more expensive than I ever thought. Like, There's a mission to the pumpkin patch too. Like, we're just going on the ride and getting the, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that was a, that was a whole thing um, for us as well. And like going to the other, the other one that I know tons of people can relate to is the grocery store math, right. Mm-hmm. Being, being in the grocery store and having to like, like mentally like keep track of all the prices and like figure out how like the Tetris of what, what can I actually buy this week and moving past that to where, you know, where we are now, we're like so blessed to be like, yeah, we need stuff from the grocery store. We can just go get it. Uh, You can even just have it delivered now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yes. I do that too. (laughs) Um, so yeah. And that's sometimes even that, like when it's like, we need food tonight, I have meetings, I cannot go to the store and what's it going to be. It's going to be $15 to have it delivered. Yes. You know, that that's yeah. okay. Um, yeah. and, and I, I love that, that sentiment, you know, like we go, we, we mention that to each other every once in a while, like still how, especially Adam, he'll, he'll tell me how he'll just reflect on that, that like, mm-hmm. it feels so good just to put stuff in the grocery cart and just buy it. Um, and know and know it's going to be okay. Um, and you know, I, I say that fully understanding, you know, what it feels like to, for that not to be okay. Yeah. As well. So yeah. like, I will say too, I, what I always say about like, when we think about the pumpkin patch experience, I remember feeling like blissfully happy. Like I had just had my first baby. We were like, you know, like I also remember my husband being blissfully unhappy. <laughs> like he was just so stressed, right? He was just like, he was under so much pressure to get this business up off the ground that I was like doing everything I could to get him to just come to the pumpkin patch. And I did all the research to like find the one that had the free, you know, ride out or whatever. But I also just remember being like, I don't need anything else except for like, it was just that one of those times where I felt like, this is everything I had dreamed of. And also I don't, so like, I'm no happier now than I was then in general, I'm no less stressed. You know, like we, it's like a trade out. It's just different. It's just like, Oh, this is not a stress as much anymore as now there, there are new stresses for how to make it go. So I'm I'm always like really careful about just remembering, like it's not the happiness that's changed. It's like the ease in some areas of our lives and, and I, but I think remembering that is important of just like how far we've come to. And, mm-hmm. and also like, and I, do, I bring that up because my husband is way less stressful because, and I would attribute that a lot to the work. I mean, not only his, you know, success in business, but, but then just the work that we've done along the way at every step. Mm-hmm. Um, just to recognize, you know, like what, what does need to be stressful and what doesn't need to be stressful. I mean, nothing really needs to be stressful, but you know, what, what occupies our brain now that didn't at one time or vice yeah. versa. So I think remembering the stories is nice in a lot of ways. And it's just, it is also just a great, I mean, bringing back the resentment thing too. It's just a good reminder of what I'm looking for proof of how we have taken ownership in our individual ways. Um, it has always benefited us. And those times where I just held on to the resentment, never great. Mm-hmm. Never did good things. Resentment is like not, it's like worry. It's just like 
pretends to be useful, but it's just not. Like in some way, we just think if I just hold on to this resentment long enough, then I will be able to present a case that will prove that I was right and he was wrong or I'm right and they're wrong or whatever. And it just, you know, when you do actually present that case, A, it never feels as great as you think it's going to. And actually what you think might happen rarely ever does. That is such a good point there. And it was that what was like coming up for me. I was thinking of um, my old firm where I was mm-hmm. before, before I launched X squared. Uh, and yeah. because the resentments, like what I find when, when working with clients, a lot of times is that if we catch the resentment when there's, when it's small, right. When it's just mm-hmm. like, like, what, what do you feel resentful of right now in, in, in a small way, rather than letting it, you know, build and build and build because resentment absolutely builds until it like overflows its container basically. Right. And then turns into, um, you know, this big thing that we could have addressed when it was a small thing, mm-hmm. when it was a, a misunderstanding or right. um, a simple, right. a simple request, right. That maybe it is, you just need to understand something more clearly. Um, for me, I can, I can look back at, you know, my, my place of employment where I was like resentful of the fact that the payout grid wasn't different, right. That when I would bring it in and like, I would get such a small percentage of what that was looking like. Right. And so that, that was a resentment that I like consistently held onto. And I tried to, I would say something about, I had asked questions about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, I would get answers that didn't, that didn't satisfy me. Um, basically like, oh, well, you know, you can't get more because we have this big team and we have to pay all these people I'm like, okay, I see that, but I still, it still doesn't feel like the resentment was still there right. of feeling taken advantage of. That was the piece. Yeah. Because you were asking for somebody else to give it to you instead of just saying like, this is mine for the taking, which I mean, obviously then like we were talking about before, if you just, you know, like if I were working with you and I was just like, well, why aren't you just taking it? Then you would have been like, well, then I'd have to start my own business. I have to start my own or like whatever, you know, like all the scary things of like, well, then I would actually have to be confident enough to go in and say, no, I deserve that. And that's too scary to do. And so then we just rely on like, well, I'll just keep asking and hope that somebody gives us the permission mm-hmm. and to, I mean, I don't want to stereotype, but especially for women, we just have a tendency of hoping somebody's going to see us in pain and say, you know what? I can't believe I've been overlooking you this whole time. You What's should wrong? really, you, right. Like you really deserve more. Why don't, you know, like when I think back, but that's what I wanted when I think back to like holding a newborn and feeling just like completely like depleted and exhausted. I wanted somebody to be like, look at you you know what? You do so much. I'm going to take the baby. You have nothing to worry about. Why don't you go ahead and take your, you can do whatever you want. You know what? Just take the whole day. Like what, you know, like I was just waiting or like hoping. And when that didn't happen as if it were like, (laughs) it made up a scenario. And when, you know, that didn't happen or even worse, my husband's like, I'm going to go work out. I was like, ah, not only did you not see me, randomly and recognize me, but then you took, 
took over. Um, instead of just saying like, cool, well, when you get back, then I'm going to take the time and I'm going to go, I'm going to do the thing for me, or I'm going to take care of myself, or I'm going to make this happen. And so it is the moral of resentment of like, A, I think owning up to it, which is really hard. And so I do now encourage me just to like say it out loud. Like I'm really envious that, of that. Um, my husband and I use that like, a lot with each other. Like I'm really, I'm kind of jealous that you're getting to do this or that you're envious, which means I got to find a way to make it happen for myself. Mm. So in, in the positive spin, I think that is where the positive is. Like when I'm feeling resentful, I know what I got to do. Like if it's really something that's harboring me, I'm like, I know what I got to do to take care of myself. I know what I want now. I want, if I'm wanting what somebody else has, then like, how am I going to make it happen for myself? So it's like a very clear picture for me. Resentment specifically is like a clear indication of like, now I know what I want or what I need to go after. Uh, I think it happens a lot in business, like, right? Your friends or competitors, or I'd say, especially friends who are having success and you're just like, oh gosh, that's when you're just like, I'm envious. I don't want to be envious because of my friend. I'm really happy for their success. But like, also now I know I just want what they're having. I I want the same success and I want to be supportive. Like, how can I go about doing both? And that just shifts things right away for me of just knowing they have what I want. So I, I need to go after it. That is, I think that's, that's the work right there. Yeah. That's the work is, is being, um, cognizant, starting to become aware. I talk about this all the time. Like just, let's just be aware first, right? The awareness itself is a gift. And then what's the action, right? So that's the, that's the practice yeah. right? So when we don't even see when we're just, when we're just angry or envious or, you know, all of those things, like not recognizing what that truly is, you know, is that resentment? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about what that means and what are you getting specific down to what it is, right? Rather than, you know, my partner got to go to the gym and I really want to go to the gym. They, they're making time for themselves and, I, I'm not making time for myself, right? That's what, what is the actual thing? And then practice taking the action step, practice saying it out loud, practice taking the action step. And that's where having that support of how do I, how do I know when I'm in resentment and how do I get out of it? Right? Like that's the, that's right. The yeah. Cause you're not going to not, you're not going to not feel it. It's not, right. it's, totally. it's never going to be there again. And it's totally, normal to feel it like that also like I, I I do work a lot with just eliminating any guilt or weirdness around feeling it like I shouldn't and we are taught that we are taught that there are certain feelings that we should feel bad about feeling and that we can just take that right off the top. like we do not need to feel that guilt or that worry or whatever like we feel what we feel it's like what you do with the feeling that is actually makes a difference. Are you going to respond from that feeling? Like, am I, I mean, even thinking about, um, I was working with a client on this a while back about their resentment towards somebody else that started, you know, a similar business at the same time and their success. And, and you, if you don't acknowledge it and just like, Oh, I'm just kind of a little envious that they're having the best success. Then instead it just builds into then in order to get rid of that feeling of resentment that we don't want to feel a lot of us go towards like anger or um, 
you know, like, ho- like hoping maybe something happens that they don't continue the success, right? Because it feels, I think, feeling like resentment isn't an action, like, it just feels kind of hopeless, helpless, like, resent, like we said before, you, not, resentment doesn't lead to anything good. And so then we flipped like a, a an emotion that actually pushes us to take action or to think of it in a way that feels like a little more powerful. A lot of times that goes to like anger or, um, you know, like nothing really good. And if you step back and like, is that actually how you want to feel? Most people would say, no, like, no, I actually don't. I wish them success. Like we, there's enough success to go around. So that actually means owning up to like just the envy and knowing it's not bad to have the envy. And once you own it, usually a lot of times that's all it takes. It's just like say it out loud. Like I'm really envious of this person. They had the success. And then you're just like, well, how, how, you know, then I just was like, just think, well, if they are having success, that means that there's people out there willing to buy our services, right? If we're selling the same thing, there's people out there that want what we have. I can just take it as like a great sign that there's demand. If somebody, yeah, if they have it, I can have it too. Yes. Yeah. But I think owning up to all of it is, is a huge step and to not feel, I don't know. It's such a weird thing that we're taught to feel weird about, especially the jealousy and jealous envious family. It's something that is painted as wrong to have those feelings, but it's not, it's usually the actions that come from it that tend to cause the damage that that's really where the attention should be of like, what actions are you taking from the jealousy? But the feeling it is not a problem. Yes. And so to let's to just to give people like a, um, like an action step, like if they're feeling right. So what, what would your, what would your recommendation be? Right. So, okay. If you're, if you're feeling this, like Mm -hmm. what's, what's your next step? Yeah, if you're feeling what you think of as resentment, um, which really is envy, if you are feeling that, then what I do is like, what are you thinking that is creating the envy? Because our feelings always come from a thought, mostly, unless they're sensations, but there's usually some thinking around it. And so, I mean, in that last example of being envious of somebody who's in the same field as you that is having more success. Like my thought is usually probably like, why does she get that? And I don't, I want that. I should be where she is, you know, what those feelings. And those are the thoughts that we then um, pick apart. So I, a own up to the fact that you're feeling envious, find somebody that you can say it to, even if it's just yourself or you, or if you write it down, but don't let it just swirl. Don't, don't, we don't want it to get sucked into the cyclone of thinking. Um, and then identify like, what is the thought? Because that is, that is usually what you're wanting. And a, how can you like take ownership of it? Like, how can you say like, well, I want what she has, like, what is that thing that she has? I want, you know, I think that even that itself can lend to a lot of good questions. So I'm a big on like questioning it. Like, well, what is it specifically that she has? Is it the illusion of success? Is it that she said I've made this much this quarter? Is it that she has a client that I wanted? Um, like, what is it specifically about this thing that I am envious of? Um, and mostly 
I am, well, here, here's, here's coaching like 201 is I want what she's feeling right now, Mm. usually. And what I'm assuming she's feeling from success is freedom or confidence or something like that. And that is really what I want to get to for myself. Like, oh, I want to, I want to be where she is because I think she's feeling this way. I want to feel that way too. And we're taught that like the client, the money, the whatever is what brings us the confidence, but really it's just our thinking. So then it's, then for me, it's like, what do I need to be thinking so that I can feel confident in where I am right now today in this moment Um, and not put it on the person that I'm making up a huge story about. Hmm. Cause also when I talk to that person, they are struggling just as much as I am. They just have a little more money in their bank account. Right. So like the struggle is the same, but I'm really want whatever I think she's experiencing right now. And so I can create that for myself just by changing my thoughts. So I may have talked around that. That was like totally probably my ADHD spurring up, but one identifying like, what is it that I'm really envious of? And what am I thinking about that? And then how can I change that so that I um, feeling a different way. So, I mean, there's some steps in there. It's, and it's not always immediate, but I do think getting really clear on what the story is I'm telling myself about that other person is because we can come up with some wild stuff here. It's true. <laughs> and I think the closer to the things I, I tell my husband, he was thinking when in a certain moment, he's like, are you sure I was thinking that? And I'm like, um, Yes, you. I mean, what are what other logical explanation that he can give me a very logical explanation that is most likely what he was thinking? And I'm like, oh, well, that changes things like that. Okay, right. But I can be very sure that he was out to do something to spite me, and in the end, he was actually just wanting to get some exercise (laughs) or whatever. Just trying to keep yeah. the old heart strong, right? Right. Yeah. So if someone is listening and they're like, okay, I hear you. This all sounds really important. I really can't figure out how to do it by myself. Right. That's where coaching comes in. Uh, yes. And and it's so, first of all, most of us don't know how to do this by ourselves. We all have to mm-hmm. learn somehow and have some sort of support um and figure I mean I have coaches you have coaches yes still right yeah mm -hmm. and it's yeah it's like the doctor operating on himself like you can't expect you have to yeah yeah exactly the blind spots are there Mm -hmm. right and and someone else outside of us is is always going to see things differently than we see them um so how can people best get a hold of you um where can they learn more all of that what do you want to yeah. So I actually, um, go, I have my, my main name is attached. So Rachel Schwartzman Murphy, I'm a Rachel S Murphy on a lot of, um, social platforms. So Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, I think Rachel Schwartzman Murphy. Um, and my website is mindsettings.org. It is under revamp, but it should be up here very soon. Um, but there are, you know, the options where you can hop on my mailing list or just send me a message. I mean, the best thing to do always, if you're interested in a coach is to hop on for a, a free call. I mean, most coaches offer a free call. I don't, I do. I won't say that for everybody, but 
coaching, like anything else is like an art form and you got to make sure that you drive with a coach. So it's always best to hop on and have a conversation and make sure that not only do you like what a coach is saying, but also like, do you like their vibe? Do you feel like you could open up to them? Because if you're not, if you don't think you can actually talk the real talk with a coach, then it's not worth hiring that coach in my opinion. So get to a quick consult and here's the thing is like, we don't care if you, if you have on consult and you don't think we're right for you, it's great for you to say no. And there's times where I've said no too, where I'm just like, I don't think I'm the best fit for you, but here's some other people that might be a good fit for this. So all that to say, grab a consult, find me on Instagram, Instagram, kind of my jam. I'm working on that LinkedIn thing. You got that down, Pat, Hannah. I'm going to LinkedIn. Oh yeah. That was my, that was my first, uh, social platform that I really dove into. Yeah. Yeah. Beyond Facebook, right? When I was in college, Facebook was a was a thing, right? So, um, or it started when I was in college. I was going to say we are my Facebook did not. I think you're a little younger than me. Facebook was like post college for me, and I was like, "What is this?" My sister had to like get me on because we didn't. Luckily, like back in the day, we had to like dial in your class, right? To call in for every class session. Oh my gosh! And they'd be like class denied and your time is up and you're like what no and then you have to like call back and wait in line again Ugh, it's the worst so weird the things we had to deal with i know we'll never know right all of us who created all of these things right we we right. were forerunners for all this craziness um anyway i digress i all do also especially people in my neurodiversity i have an act because my husband and i are both adhd it is fun to live together but we know the the tips and the tricks and the things that work well and don't work well, but we are fully, uh, I think I have a, a magical brain. So I do like, I do also like to work with people. Neurodiverse. Yes, you do have absolutely a magical brain. Um, and just your relationship. I, I have to say that one more time. Your relationship with Jack is just the emotional intelligence level is, is like so different. Uh, oh. Well, and, thanks. Um, well, you, get, you definitely get the inside look being our, our, our person, our wealth person. Right. Yeah. And then interacting <laughs> with each of you in different and other different capacities. Just, yeah. The, when you bring emotional intelligence, when you put a, when you put importance on emotional intel- intelligence within your relationship, um, I think it's really powerful and it's a, it's a practice. Thanks. It's always a practice. But it's, well, that's why we came to you too, because we knew that you would value that. And it's something that we value in our, the team that we are building up support us in all aspects is like, we want, we want the relationship and we want that. Um, we don't want people to just brush over the emotional piece of what we're dealing with, especially with money. I mean, it's like all emotions. It is. It truly is. So thank you so much for thank being you, here. Thank you, today. And yes, if you are feeling resentment or envy or anything in that family, um, I hope this episode gave you a point to, uh, to reflect back on and see what, what you can do differently. So if you have any questions, be sure to reach out to me, reach out to Rachel, all of her links are going to be in the show notes. Um, yeah. And we're here. Want to answer your questions. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening and be sure to like and subscribe. And again, if anything resonated with you from this episode, I would love to hear from you. 
email me at hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H, at expansiveceo.com and tell me about it. And if you're ready for your greatest expansion, you can find ways to work with me at expansiveceo.com and at xsquaredwealthplanning.com. That's X, the numeral two, wealthplanning.com. So until next time, remember that there is enough, you are enough, and your birthright in this lifetime is to be expansive.